You discovered TalkZone.com, the best in Internet talk radio. All right. Okay, now we're talking. TalkZone.com. This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. There's plenty of political conflict in America, but is anything getting done? We'll talk to an expert who offers a cure for our broken political process. Most voters don't have a prayer of getting a representative they can truly believe in. And as a result, a majority of Americans don't vote, and a majority of Americans who vote know virtually nothing about the candidates they're voting for. Then, when a loved one dies, what happens to their estate? You'd best beware. There are people out there trying to rip off our nation's seniors. And hijackers, I call them inheritance hijackers, they're inheritance thieves. That's when they are able to prey upon people, when they're weak and in a weak moment. Those two stories, and a lot more, are coming your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Stay with us. The show gets underway right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Does anyone get along in Washington these days, or in our state capitals for that matter? No matter what your political point of view, it seems that Congress and other political bodies keep on disappointing most Americans with their lack of progress on important issues. To discuss this and hopefully offer some light at the end of the political tunnel, let's welcome Saul Erdman to InfoTrack. Good to be here. Saul, you're president of the Center for Collaborative Democracy, a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization, and you're co-author of the book, The Cure for Our Broken Political Process. Have things always been this acrimonious and unproductive in American politics? I think they've always been acrimonious. I don't think they've always been as unproductive. If you go back to the writing of the Constitution, Ben Franklin said of the delegates to that convention that they had with them all their passions, all their errors of opinion, and their selfish views. That's what makes politics. We wouldn't need a political system if we didn't have enormous differences, and I think they will always be intense. People will always have intense beliefs. But it is absolutely possible to resolve those differences in a way that makes sense. The Constitution is a result of 55 opinionated, selfish delegates working out their differences. And it was an imperfect document for sure, but it certainly carried us a long way from 13 feeble states to the pinnacle of world power, freedom, and wealth. So it's clearly possible to resolve our differences in a way that makes sense. The trouble today is politicians don't seem to have any desire or interest in doing so. Is part of the problem the fact that many of them are career politicians? I don't think so. Once again, if you go back to the Constitution, the idea behind elections was that if politicians felt they had to appear before the public and stand judged for the quality of their work, that they would have an incentive to do quality work. That's why the House of Representatives, they have elections every two years. So the intention was you could have politicians that would last for many years, and that wasn't necessarily a problem. I think that is a problem today because there are fundamental flaws in our political system that corrupts an incumbent from the first day he or she shows up in Washington. Well, you have a chapter in your book titled, Each Lawmaker's Predicament, Whom Do I Represent? Is that what you're talking about? Absolutely. Imagine what it's like to be a member of Congress. Much as we dislike them, and for good reason, just for a second consider the situation they're in. Every member of Congress represents 690,000 citizens, including young adults, the middle-aged, seniors, singles, couples, large families, people 
struggling to make ends meet, others who make more they know what to do with, liberals, conservatives, and most points in between. A member of Congress, in effect, represents hundreds of thousands of people who disagree intensely about how he or she should handle nearly every issue. So the trouble is that if a member of Congress proposes a genuine solution to a difficult problem, guaranteed he's going to hear lots of objections from various blocks of citizens. So a member of Congress who wants to keep his job will shy away from proposing real solutions to real problems. What do they do instead? How do they keep their jobs? They have found three strategies that work. They reduce hard issues to simple slogans that are tough to argue with. They blame the biggest problems to the other political party. And when they do pass legislation, nine times out of ten, it looks like it may address a big problem, but puts off the really hard decisions into the future. And we're now living with the consequences. All the problems we have in public education, health care, energy, I could go on, are the result of bad decisions or non-decisions that Congress has been making for decades. And what scares me is that as long as Congress is organized the way it is today, it's going to keep on operating this way. It's going to keep on ducking our problems. Well, Saul, I think your explanation certainly sounds very cogent, and I think it hits the nail on the head. But, of course, the title of your book is The Cure for the Broken Political Process. So what do you advocate? What do you suggest we do to move toward a better situation? Well, look, we call it the House of Representatives. Let's turn it into a real House of Representatives. Let's organize it so that it truly represents us, the American people. Let's organize it so that each representative speaks for a group of citizens who share his or her political values. And to make that happen, it doesn't require a huge change. What it requires is that instead of having one representative per district, we need to have multiple representatives per district. We need to enlarge the districts so that they can have three, four, five representatives at different points in the spectrum, and so that each voter can end up with a representative of whom he or she can say, this person really represents me. This person really represents the values that are most important to me. We're talking to Saul Erdman, who's the president of the Center for Collaborative Democracy, which is a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization developing innovative ways for citizens and politicians to resolve conflicts. And Saul's the co-author of the book, The Cure for Our Broken Political Process. Saul, in terms of having more representatives, do you see it as perhaps there's a seat for a liberal politician, a seat for a conservative politician, and so on? Is that how you see breaking it down? Well, I don't think anyone, certainly not me, should dictate how it breaks down. In other words, I think the odds are it probably would. In other words, in most cases, you would have representatives across the spectrum from left to right. The average state has nine House seats. Let's say you divided the average state into two districts, and you had five representatives across the spectrum. Yes, they would probably cover the spectrum from left to right. In some states, maybe not. The presumption is in the Northeast, perhaps, you know, you have many more to the liberal side, and perhaps in the South, you'd have many more to the conservative side. Each area is going to have to decide what constitutes real representation, but what we need is real representation. I'm not worried about where the representatives come out. As long as we have real representatives, you see, I didn't talk about the results of what happens with real representatives. Let's say you have each representative having 600,000 constituents who basically share his political values. That representative cannot do his constituents one bit of good simply by calling his opponent's name. The only way he or she can make progress on the issues that matter to those constituents is by working out differences with other representatives. He goes back to his constituents and say, look, I'm one guy out of 435. I don't get to write the laws. I want to make progress on the values and issues that are important to us, and here are the deals I struck, and here's why they make sense. I know that sounds fanciful, but I want to give you an example to prove that it would work. Take labor management negotiations. 96% of the time, labor and management negotiators, no matter how far apart they start, they reach an agreement. Labor contracts result in strikes only 4% of the time. 
And I always said that labor and management are able to reach agreements that work for both sides 96% of the time when politicians can't even come close. The short answer is a labor representative knows up front that the people he's speaking for trust him to speak for them. He knows they're on their side. So if he goes back to them and says, look, I worked out this contract. It isn't perfect. It isn't what we wanted, but here's why it makes sense. They listen to him make his case. Mm -hmm. We need to organize politics that way so that every voter knows, okay, I have some reason to trust this representative. I know he's on my side. If he comes back to me and says why he agreed to a bill, I'm going to listen to him. Well, I mean, isn't there the same risk that those more representatives could be captured by the same special interest? The short answer is no. To explain why... Let's look at the position of a voter today. I've given you the plight of the representative, but the plight of the voter is, in a sense, just as bad. The odds that any voter will get a representative who truly reflects the values and concerns of that voter are close to zero. We've created a situation where most voters don't have a prayer of getting a representative they can truly believe in. And as a result, a majority of Americans don't vote, and a majority of Americans who vote know virtually nothing about the candidates they're voting for. Here's a frightening statistic. What percent of American voters do you think can name a single issue which they know how their representative in Congress has voted? The number is 11%. Really? 11%. Wow. That's scary. It is scary. But you see, what that means is now voters don't hold their representatives to account because no voter can get a representative they genuinely believe in. That's why the representatives now sell themselves to the highest bidder. I mean, I'm exaggerating. They don't put the money in their pockets. What they do with the money is they go advertise themselves because the way to get elected is just to pound your name into voters' heads. So that's why special interests now have so much power is because the average voter has virtually no power. If we were to follow your plan and start working to change things, realistically speaking, how long would that process take? It would probably take at least a decade. I mean, we're advocating these kinds of changes of real representation at the grassroots, at the local level. Let's start it with local governments. Let's organize our local governments so that every town council member speaks for voters who really believe his or her political priorities. We see lots of examples today where our city and town governments are in deep trouble, too. So we need to start these changes at the local level. I don't believe there is a practical alternative. I don't think we can continue have our politicians in Washington handle the problems the way they handle them now. This country's not going to make it. If a company makes bad decision after bad decision, it goes out of business. Countries go out of business, too. And I don't say we're on the verge of that, but we're on the road towards it. We clearly have a government that doesn't work. So as ambitious as the change I proposed may be, we got to start down that road. And I think once it starts at the local level, the idea could spread very fast. Any last words for our listeners or thoughts on what we might see in the future? We, the people, have to start change in the political process. If we're waiting for politicians to do it, it's not going to happen. Politicians, for the most part, are very content with the status quo. We, the people, have to take action, and at the local level, we can make a difference. Saul Erdman, co-author with Lawrence Suskind of The Cure for Our Broken Political Process, How We Can Get Our Politicians to Resolve the Issues Tearing Our Country Apart. His website is genuinerepresentation.org. Saul, thanks so much for joining us on InfoTrack. Thank you. Next, what a ripoff of America's seniors. Greedy people are hijacking family inheritances. We'll have the facts. There's more InfoTrack coming up. Stay tuned.